A vicar I know who's a vicar of a large church was trying to help his people work out how to do the Christian life a little bit better. So he quizzed them and he said, tell me, what are the biggest issues that you face in your life? He wanted to know what his people were wrestling with and struggling with. And he was shocked, and this is quite a large church, when it came back and there was a kind of huge swell of people who said, forgiveness. I struggle to forgive. And when it, when it came to it and people told their stories, what it meant was this, is that I struggle to forgive a husband or wife who has betrayed me. I struggled to forgive a parent who constantly let me down. I struggled to forgive a past relationship that still haunts me to this day. I struggled to forgive my bosses and my work colleagues who make my life a misery day after day. I struggled to forgive the person who crashed into me one day in a car and I've struggled with health issues till that day. I've struggled to forgive the doctors or nurses whose care for me was less than I expected. I struggled to forgive friends or family members who are consumed by addiction and have robbed me of the life that I think I deserve. Who this morning hasn't been hurt by the actions or behavior of other people. No hands. Uh, so there isn't anybody who's lived a very kind of beautiful, sheltered life. And we know as human beings, we know as Christians, that the wounds that other people cause us, some of which might be very superficial, some of which, though, go a lot deeper than that. We know that, we know that because... Actually, when certain things happen in our life, anger and bitterness and rage come out of us. And sometimes we don't know what the source of that is, but what we do know is, and the people alongside us who live with us or work with us will know that actually vengeance and bitterness can become such um, foundational things and core things in our life that we struggle to get free of. And the tricky thing for us this morning is this, is that um, when you say, yeah, that is normal, that's part of a human life. And the thing is this, though, if you're a Christian, and particularly if you've been a Christian quite a long period of time, we kind of know in our heads that Christianity is not being about being a victim. Jesus has given us a new identity. That those things, the brokenness of the world, our own sin is not defined by those things. We're not defined by those things. But receiving and giving out forgiveness is actually really, really hard. I don't just say this because this vicar found out this. I say it because actually most of the people I've come across in life, to one stretch or another, sort of attest to that, I suppose. So we're going to explore the topic of forgiveness over the next few weeks, not next week, but over the next few weeks as well to try and work out a little bit more what is it that's at the heart of forgiveness and why is it so important. I think I put it on the front sheet of the notice sheet this morning is that actually if you ignore the Christians for a minute, 
and just look at social research through the academics, um, the people who've spent time researching forgiveness pretty much all say that forgiveness produces amazing benefits in a very human way. Healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, improved self-esteem, whether you're looking for that or not. So the researchers and people in society in general, irrespective of our circumstances, recognize that forgiveness is good for us. But how? But how? How do we forgive? A year or so ago, um, when with a number of other people, we were mulling over some things about how we take some things. One of the things we felt a bit of conviction to do was to go away to Harm Hill, and a number of us went away was it about six months ago or so. I can't remember, to a Christian healing retreat center. And I had someone in mind who I've known in the past to come and do uh, some stuff with us while we went there. And I remember meeting up with her and her husband. She's a vicar in Birmingham. And we were planning to do some stuff. And we, we were talking about some things. And then she sort of came and said, well, and we started to briefly touch on the topic of forgiveness. And I still remember a phrase she used. It went something like this. Well, forgiveness, it's the heart of the gospel, isn't it? Forgiveness, it's the heart of the gospel, isn't it? Now, I've been a Christian a long time. I've heard that phrase many times. But as she said it, there was something unsettled me. And I wasn't quite sure what. Forgiveness, the heart of the gospel. And it struck me as I thought about why, you know, sometimes when someone says something, it has a sort of greater impact on you, a greater power over you than just when you've heard it many times before. And I kind of thought back probably over the last three or four or five years and thought about the conversations I've had with people and I thought, how many conversations have been about forgiveness? How many people have come up to me and said, Tim, I'm sorry? How many people have come up to me and said, you know, I had to go and apologize to X or Y about my behavior? How many stories have I heard of people finding the joy of forgiveness? My reflection was, not many. Not many. Then we went to Han Hill, and Adele uh, was doing the talk that she did on forgiveness. And in the middle of her talk, she used that same phrase, forgiveness is the heart of the gospel. And again, it really irritated me, because it struck me, it just leapt out, and I thought, okay. And for me, that kind of phrase stopped being about where are we, and it started to be become, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? And I realized I've got some work to do. I realized actually that within my heart, there were things that were in my life, there were things that were resting there that were still reflected a heart of unforgiveness. And I needed to do some work with God on. This week, uh, a number of us have been down at the Abbey. And during the time um, I've been at the Abbey, I, I sort of read. Uh, a, a book that Des and uh, Stephen gave me, uh, Stephen Bird, and um, it's called The History of the Korean People, uh, but I've only been reading the first bit of it because it's about, uh, the, it's a biography of a chap who used to worship at St. Andrew's, part of this parish, 
100 odd years ago. And he was a missionary in Korea um, in the 1880s, 90s, and early 1900s. And at the beginning of his kind of story, it's a story of his life as he went out to Korea, but he was someone who went out to Korea. And what he's famous for is that he was one of the first people with a group of others who translated the Bible into Korean. And actually what we found is he's buried up in the cemetery at Lansdowne, which is ours, and a group of the Korean church in Bristol and some of the ULC church approached us and said, can we come and honour James Scarth Gale in uh, the, the cemetery? So yesterday at middle morning, we were all gathered around this graveyard honouring the memory of this person. But actually the other thing that he was really famous for, as well as translating the Bible, he did lots of other things, he translated the story of Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know whether you've ever read it, it's a kind of classic John Bunyan kind of story of Pilgrim and his journey, but actually I couldn't, when I thought about that, think again, get out of my head, that idea, one of the pictures in John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress is the idea of Pilgrim just carrying weights on his back, just carrying unnecessary weights on his back that he doesn't need to carry. But kind of the bad things in life, his own stuff, just more and more and more weight of the world and the brokenness of the world. And actually reminding me again that, that actually as God's people, do I really believe, do I know that actually there's something that God has done that means we don't need to carry the baggage in that way. There is a life that doesn't mean we have to be constantly battling away down by sin and by ours and by others, that God offers us forgiveness. He offers others forgiveness. So is it possible or am I unrealistic in traveling light and traveling free? Do we want to know a life that is free from the weight and the curse of sin, my own and others, is that possible in this world? And so as we explore the topic of forgiveness, we're going to have a look at that. And the thing is, I've called this morning just a bit of a kind of starting exploration, why forgive? And I suppose in a sense, when someone uh, says to you something like that and says, forgive, you think, well, why forgive? And who are you to tell me to forgive? I mean, when someone else tells you to do something, you say, well, why should I do it? And who on earth are you to try and tell me what to do? Christians believe that, and as you read the story of the Bible, and we're going to tell that, we're going to sing that, and then we're going to share in communion together, that we have the opportunity to receive amazing mercy and extraordinary grace shown to us in Jesus Christ a God of compassion and a God of love. That all of us, when we're honest before God, recognize that we are debtors, not just to each other, but to God. That we have a debt to repay through our own brokenness, our own failures, our own sin. And however hard we work and however much effort we put in, none of us can repay that debt to God. So God, in his extraordinary love, comes to us in the person of Jesus, offering us forgiveness and freedom again in Christ Jesus. And this is the experience that gives us the power to forgive others. 
It's the power of our own forgiveness that enables us to forgive all kind of things that are done to us. And as we experience God's grace, God's cleansing, as we experience our freedom from sin that is won for us in Christ, we're liberated to a place of joy and peace. And that becomes a lifestyle that we're called to continue to live. So why forgive? This morning my reflection is this. God, why simply God forgives us? And this is what our reading shows in 1 John. So if you want to get it in front of you, I'm going to read it and briefly talk, talk you through it. It's a really simple but beautiful reading. So 1 John 1, verse 5. So if you have it in front of you. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. The good God the source of all beauty and wonder and splendor shown us and seen in creation has come and created a world for us. God is the true light, the holy, the pure, the good God. And there is no hint of darkness in him. Verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. His word is not in us. Amongst that beauty and that goodness of the world, the Christian story is that things went wrong in Eden. The fall, the crushing failure of Adam and Eve now mars and, and coruscates through all of creation. As well as beauty and wonder, darkness, sin, evil are still part of this creation. And actually it's not okay, says John in these, these, these verses, to pretend it's okay when it's not. Do we really need God? Do we really need God this morning? Do I want to be known by the God of creation, the God of love? Am I honest about the state of my own heart my emotional health, my physical health, my own life? Are my thoughts and words one of lightness, or of godliness, or of darkness? And maybe this tougher thing, am I really hurting others if we struggle to see our own failures? Verse 7, going back to verse 7. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Then verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the thing is this, in the state of the world, 2,000 years ago, Jesus enters a scene on earth. A world of beauty and brokenness, offering forgiveness, giving us life, freeing us from sin, sin freeing us from guilt and shame, cleansing us from the muck and the dirt that mars our lives. Our own, but also others too. But do we think we're in debt to God for all the darkness we've done? Is there a reckoning? Do we sit here this morning knowing that Actually, we are in need and want forgiveness. 
beginning of chapter 2, what do we see? My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But when he does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So simple but beautiful words of Jesus that point us to Jesus. And in a sense, I suppose Jesus offers us a choice this morning. Do you sin? The writer writes. Will you sin? Do we care anymore about that? Or do we just shrug? Just life. Bit of good, bit of bad. That's the way it is. And if we post our trust in the one, Jesus Christ, the only righteous one, God's own son sent to die on a cross, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, we receive new life and new hope to walk with him, bearing our shame, cleansing our guilt, taking the whole sins of the world upon his shoulders so that we could have our sin taken off our shoulders. Dressed in royal robes, welcomed into his family, given a place of privilege in that. And the thing and the kind of basic start of this thinking about forgiveness is this, is that however hard you work, however tough life is, will never quite get us there. But the good news of Jesus is always good news of grace. Jesus comes to us in beautiful grace, doing the thing that we couldn't do, living the life we couldn't live, so that we could be saved and renewed. On the cross, in the moment of his greatest weakness, what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So as we think about forgiveness over the next few weeks, my question really is very simple. Is that do we want to know, do we want to receive God's forgiveness? Do we want to be debt-free to God and to others? It may seem a funny question, and another, in a few Sundays' time, I'll talk about it a little bit more, but it, do we really want to be? Do we believe that that is possible, to be debt-free? When we were away uh, this week at the Abbey, we were with a whole load of other people who were there and actually had two amazing, del- amazingly delightful conversations of stories of people who wanted to testify about how they'd managed to get to that place of forgiving people who'd done them uh, incredibly difficult and probably bad things, we'd probably fair to say. And only in finding the courage to forgive other people in practice did they begin to receive what God has for them. Receive joy again. Restored peace. God is gracious and compassionate and longs to bring his forgiving touch to us today. In a second, we're going to sing a song called Living Hope. James is going to lead us in that that celebrates Jesus and why it is that through this simple meal, through our songs, through God's word, that we can be renewed in hope. We can be renewed as God's people experiencing his love and his cleansing and his power again. You may have been a Christian many, many years, 
but actually God longs to come again and to reveal his touch upon our lives. Is this your song? Is this your meal? Come and respond from the call of Jesus to follow him this morning and discover again all that God has done for us in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for us in and through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your loving power. Thank you that you're merciful. You're kind towards us in the state we're in. Thank you that you come to us as we are. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive again your cleansing touch, your renewing touch. Not just to know in our heads that we're forgiven, but to receive that in our lives. And Father, over this next period of time, as we think about that, Father, I pray that the weight, that the weights we carry of unforgiveness, of our own sin and other sin, would be gradually taken out of our rucksacks and that we would be a light people, a free people. Help us this week to live in the light of your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.